When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard and this is me old muck of banners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So... We haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Batman, Joshua Batterton. To be more like Joshua, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Show, become an official sponsor get bonus content including the Joe and Dan Rugby Show and grow the show today. Joe Marler is a big-hearted man and he's got a podcast plan. It's the Joe Marler Show. It's the Joe Marler Show. Oh, oh, oh. Hello, listener, my old friend. Might be more than one by now, but anyway. It's cool that you've come again. We're going to speak for you. Have you run out of Yes, I have! Hello, listeners, my old friends. We've come to talk to you again. Softly, Joey. Who's <laughs> Softly Joey? Me. <laughs> Is that your new nickname? Please Softly Joey. Softy Joe. Softy Joey. That's me. And a medium Tommy. Like voices never shed. No one dared. It's the sound of the Joe Marler Show. I think that was one of our best ever. <laughs> oh, completely <clears throat> off the buff cuff. Hello, Tom. Joe, it's appropriate that you have been singing because Ooh. last week we came up, and when I say we, I mean Steve, with <laughs> the idea of branding our live tour stop off at Glasgow as... Your Joe Vision. Your, your Joe Vision. Your Joe Vision. Your Vision. Your Joe Vision. Now, Joe, I have noticed uh, that Celine Dion, the Celine Dion, is in Glasgow the week before us. 
I think she was once on Eurovision representing Switzerland. Why? She's French, Canadian. I don't understand, but I think she did represent Switzerland. Did she actually? I think so. It, uh, it sounds like the Eurovision's corrupt. That's a larger issue for, than we can cover for now. Do you think we can get Sir Leon... <laughs> Sir Leon! Sir Leon! Sir, Sir Leon, Leon Britain. <laughs> Sir Leon! Former. Sir Dion Dublin. <laughs> Let's get him on. Do you think we can get Celine Dion to, Joe, think twice about leaving Glasgow? <laughs> you have never heard of that song, have you? Sing it. You better think twice. I don't know. <laughs> she did have a hit called Think Twice. Did she? You better think twice. I'm thinking twice. Why don't you think twice? Are you thinking twice? I'm thinking twice. That's twice thinking twice. That one. That was the actual <laughs> lyrics to her hit song, Think Twice. <laughs> Fuck me dead. But do you reckon we can get her to think twice, Joe, and stick around in Glasgow for an extra week to join our Eurovision party? You want my honest answer? Optimistic. I think she'll think once and <laughs> it'll be no. Okay. <laughs> what about going to the very best Italian restaurant in Glasgow and getting an Italian representative from there to fill out our Eurovision roster? All right, then. What is the best Italian restaurant in Glasgow? I can't answer that question, Joe. Perhaps our listeners can. Okay. Anything else you can think of? Hang on a minute. What about one of our, one of the most famous patrons we've got? <gasps> Melch Alloway. Melch Alloway. He's European. Yeah, he's super European. He's from the Dutch land. He's from the land of the Dutch. Yes, the Netherlands, and I don't mean the dick area. <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Melch. Shut fuck. We should get Melch. Have you got a number for Melch? Because he's a patron. We have contact details. I have his number. You've got Mel Alloway's number. Yes, yeah, here. On my phone here. Oh, my God. Should we phone Mel Alloway? I'm going to phone Mel Alloway oh, yeah. right now. Well, I mean, this is sort of lunchtime. Mel's could be up to anything. Mel. What's the time in Mel? What's the time in... In Melshland. In Melshland. About... Oh, here's ringing. European ringtone. What do you mean, European ringtone? It's not going beep, beep. Beep, beep. He's doing European ringtone. Don't think Mel wants to come. Yeah, it's possibly the greatest anticlimax we've ever had on a show built on anticlimaxes. You ever looked at your lips from side on? Can you see your lips past your nose? <laughs> Nasty. Oh, it... What? <laughs> no way. It's Melch! What? It's Melch <laughs> Alloway! How are you, Joe? Melch, how are you? <laughs> what time is it over there? What time is it? That's your first question. It's two o'clock. In the morning? Why would it be 13 hours time difference in the Netherlands? They're one hour in front, he tells me. How are you, mate? This is incredible, Joe. I wasn't expecting this at all. That's this is so this nice, is isn't it? Mel's, I've got a uh, I've got a request, mate. Um yeah. we're we're doing a live show in Glasgow. Yeah. And we are we are doing uh it's called a... Tom and Steve have come up with a fantastic name for it. It's called Eurovision. <laughs> yeah. That's such a pity laugh. Oh, it's good. Okay. I had to I had to process what, what it exactly meant, but yeah. And uh, you're at the top of it was Celine Dion, um, Ooh, yeah. and then you as our top two to go after for guests for the show. I feel honoured. I feel and honoured. We would love to be able to um, get hold of you and come to our, our live Eurovision 
April 12th show in Glasgow. How do you feel? That would be absolutely amazing, yeah? Oh my Unbelievable. God. Oh, my God, we've got a guest. We've lost Celine Dion, but we have gained Mel Zalloway. We don't know that we've lost Celine Dion. Yes, man. What do you mean? Are we we there? Oh, my God. Mel's, we love you. This is, this is amazing, guys. I've never been to Scotland. I've never been to Glasgow. And I'm going to see Joey Marl. I'm going to see the show. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, Mez, I can't wait to meet you. This is wonderful. I want to actually might hug you for, like, I'd say about 27 minutes. Well, Joe, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, like... It's what, 25 centimetres shorter than you are. I'm a nine, so don't squeeze me to death, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mel's, we've got to go. We're, we're recording the show, but thank you. I can't wait to see you on in April studio, 12th. In the studio. Thank you, guys. Amazing. Goodbye, Melch. Goodbye, goodbye. Cheers, Melch. Well, that is a massive win. Oh, my God. We've got Mel's. Screw you, Celine. What do you Unless mean? you want to come on the show, in which case I retract that. <laughs> Celine, we love you, big fans. <laughs> Joe, it feels like while we have booked Melsh, yeah. we might need a little bit of help. So if you're European and you can get to Glasgow on April the 12th, 2023, and, Joe, because this is your jaw vision, you have any semblance of musical talent whatsoever, Joe, can they email you? Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, they can. Email joe at crowdnetwork.co.uk or get in touch via our social channels at Joe Marler Show. And if you want tickets to any of our other live shows, the link is in the episode description. No. <laughs> no. No. Sorry. <laughs> no. 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 Just no. If you would like to support a show that just repeats the same word again and again and again in a very bad Belfast accent, you can now subscribe on Apple, Spotify and Patreon. For just a pound a week, you can get bonus content ad-free episodes, and Joe, at the same time you will be... Hashtag growing the show. Hashtag grow the show. And get this, Joe, for people who pay a solitary pound a week on either Apple or Patreon, you can now get access to the Joe and Dan Rugby Show. Get the weekly musings of Dan, Cola Bear, Cole, and Joe, Joe Marla, throughout the Autumn Internationals. The Cauliflower Club, great name, is now only available to subscribers. There will be one, two, three, four, five episodes this autumn and then monthly specials after that. Should we get a guest on? Yeah. Our guest today is Will and he is a director of coffee at a company called Packed Coffee. Hello, Will. Welcome, Will. Thanks. Hi. I fucking love coffee. I'm so excited that you're in the room. I'm even more... In fact, it's not excitement now. I'm quite daunted at the director of coffee. You're basically like... What was Al Pacino's character in Scarface? Scarface Coffee. His name was Scarface? <laughs> I've never seen Scarface, astonishingly. Okay. Do you know what his character was? I can't remember his character. Anyway, we'll go with, you're like Al Pacino from Scarface, who's just like the boss of all the chohen, but it's actually chofi. Um, that's how I'm looking at you right now. So I'm a little bit daunted. But I love coffee, yeah. And my coffee of choice is your classic flat white. Mm. But I do prefer a piccolo, if I'm honest. A piccolo? A piccolo. I'm not sure. I think, maybe I did ask a barista once what a piccolo was. It's like... Is it a double shot? Yeah. So it's a double shot. It's like a flat white, but less milk. Yeah, and in a small... It's a bit smaller. It's just in a smaller cup. So it's like a small flat white, 
but it's called Piccolo. <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference between a flat white and a latte? I think you should aim that question at our coffee expert, Tom. Well, it's a question I've often wanted the answer to. What's the difference between a flat white and a cafe latte? It's a great question. And it's essentially the names for coffees are really just a, just an excuse or a, a very good reason not to just to have ratios of espresso to milk on a menu because all the drinks that you serve in a coffee shop are based off a single or a double espresso. And then the different drinks are just a different ratio of espresso to milk. So you have a macchiato, that's about one to one. Then you have a piccolo, which is about three to one. Then you have a traditional cappuccino. Traditional Italian cappuccino would be about four to one, five to one. Your latte is going to be more like six to one, seven to one. Um, the only one that's slightly different is your flat white, which traditionally you're going to make more of a double ristretto size. So um, you're going to change the yield on your espresso. Essentially, going to make your espresso a little bit stronger, a little bit sweeter, a little bit more acidic. Um, and you're going to use a, a nice tight ratio there. Again, similar to what you might use with a, a traditional cappuccino, but you're going to get more coffee taste. All right, Joe, you're a flat white man. Which coffee would you turn your nose up at? Which one would you never go near? Well, which type? Which choice of, of coffee beverage? So flat white is top of your list. Yeah. What would be, if I were to pop to the coffee shop around the corner from the studio and go rogue, what would be the worst possible choice that I could make? Like a, some sort of syrup with a latte. Like, fuck off. Big bars of Cinnamon. Pumpkin spiced? Something shit, a latte. No thank you, because it's A, too much milk for my liking. Like, I can't taste enough of the coffee. B, it's calorific. You've chucked a shit ton of syrup and all that. Lot, so you might as well have just had a can of Coke. And it's like, well, what's the point of having a coffee if you're not actually going to drink the coffee? I just can't get my head around that. That's that's definitely the worst. Chai tea latte. What the fuck is chai tea? It's a spice blend. Okay. It's shit. Yeah. Not, not coffee, is it? Not coffee. <laughs> <laughs> what's your go-to coffee, Tom? Double espresso to start the day, Joe. One of the greatest gifts I was ever given was from Murph's dad for the Christmas after Arthur, eldest son, had been born. And I was the beneficiary of a bean-to-cup machine from the DeLonghi range. Oh. And without any word of exaggeration, I would say that gift improved every single day since because I've had a lovely espresso every morning in the 10 years since. It got so good that when Arthur was little, you know when you carry him downstairs, they're about a year old, and you're knackered because it's half five in the morning or six, something like that. I taught Arthur how to make... <laughs> he had to press the right buttons for an espresso. At one? At one. So he'd get the cup off the top. I'd just hold him there half asleep. He'd get a little cup off, stick it underneath. Top left, hot water. I'd get rid of the hot water. Then he'd press the grinder and a lovely little espresso with a perfect Kramer on top would pop out and the day would begin. Kramer or crema? You, I'd say crema. Mm. Oh. I think we would, wouldn't we? Oh, get off your hands. <laughs> you, know, you know the most interesting thing about crema? It was an accident. What? Kramer on the top of an espresso machine, complete accident. 1936, Gazier invents a new espresso machine and it's run using a, a lever with a big spring in it. Changes the pressure that which, at which espresso is brewed at and it moves from being steam-powered to being spring-powered. And this increased pressure resulted in the dilution of the carbon dioxide that was in the ground coffee into the liquid. So as it's coming out, it's got this gold foam on the top. The problem was when they started serving this to consumers, they don't see a gold foam, they see a scummy brown oh. muck on the top. 
So at that point, Gage, you have to start marketing crema as being a positive thing, that is marketing it as the cream of the espresso rising to the top. Wow. Uh, actually, if you taste espresso on its own, if you scoop it off with a spoon, it doesn't taste great because it's just carbon dioxide. One of the biggest cons in, in coffee is that coffee tastes like coffee. You know, I, I, I talk to people about coffee all the time, and I say, oh, God, it's lovely coffee. It tastes like cherries and dark chocolate. And they say, no, no coffee's supposed to taste like coffee. You just sound like a bit of a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, know, I know I do. Yeah. I know I do, and I've watched wine experts do exactly the same thing. But the reality is, big coffee want us all to think that coffee tastes like coffee because that means that they can continue buying the worst quality coffees in the world. Oh. When coffee gets expensive in one country, they can go and buy a different country because all they've got to do is buy the lowest, lowest qualities that come out of a country, roast it really dark, often leave it to sit in a warehouse for a few months just to go stale and homogenize the flavor route more, and then ship it into our cafes and our homes and say, hey, this is what coffee tastes like. And actually, this is what bad quality, very dark roast very stale coffee tastes like. Right, which we've done a lot of theory so far. I feel we should get into the practicalities because, Will, you have come armed with many things. Joe, in front of each of us in the studio, uh, we have five mugs, four which are currently empty, and one of which in front of each of us contains some instant coffee. I ain't touching that instant. Have I got to drink that instant? Let's all have a little sip on the instant. Right, we're drinking instant. Hang on, hang on. Can we ask Will first? Will me drinking this instant affect my taste buds for the rest of the coffees? Yes, so the the reason for tasting the instant is to give your taste buds a reference point because your taste buds in your brain are better at detecting the differences between things than they are at detecting absolute based on your memory. So um, if I just brought one coffee in for you to taste, you might go, oh, yeah, that tastes all right, but it tastes as good as everything else I've had. So tastes like coffee. Tastes like coffee. So we're, we're doing four different, three to four different coffees in total, and you've got your one extra mug at the end in case you're a spitter. In coffee, you're a spitter or you're a swallower. Depends if you want to drink the coffee or not. Right, how many cups of coffee? Before we start doing our own tasting, how many cups of coffee would you drink a day when you're out and about on your job? Traveling, Honduras, Guatemala, Colombia, maybe consume, tasting 500 cups a day. 500? Maybe drinking 60 to 80. 60 to 80? Yeah. Going to the back and forth to the toilet all day. How do you look so normal? Like uh, someone who would consume or just spit 500 coffees a day and consume 60 coffees a day, why are your eyes not like... Why aren't you, there's that cartoon that's just like eyeballs that are fucking bloodshot just walking around <laughs> like that. Why aren't you like that? Well, I assume maybe they are. Maybe I, I don't normally, <laughs> maybe I originally looked like something else. And... You look fantastic for someone that consumes that amount. Fucking hell, that is an obscene amount of coffee. There's no other way of putting this, Will. Are you not shitting yourself all day long? No, it keeps you pretty regular, though. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking fantastic. This is really good. Do you find, Joe, when you have your first coffee of the day that it tickles thing along? Uh, no, I'll have already done two before I have my first coffee. Will you? Yeah, I'm a good five or six a day, man, aren't I? So I'll have, I'll probably have one, two before I leave the house. So I'll have my... Sorry, coffees or shits? Shits. Yeah. Then I'll have my coffee. I used to have a, um, it's called a Portavia portable espresso machine uh-huh. from Bella Barista. Yep. Something like that. Because it's it's all in the case that I can just pack it all up and I can take it to yep. travel with the boys and it makes a lovely fucking espresso on it. But it took up a lot of the kitchen space and 
my wife didn't really enjoy it. She didn't really enjoy doing it. She liked a coffee, but didn't really enjoy making it. So I bought her one of those uh, Nespresso button virtuoso mm-hmm. or something like that. But anyway, so I'll have that. I'll have coffee or I'll stop one on the way. And then I'll have my, another one, uh, another shit when I get to work. So yeah. I presume that's where the coffees really nudge things along. Uh, can we taste this uh, yeah. instant? I'm going to give you a couple of spoons. Okay. Right. What's the spoons for? The spoons are for drinking the coffee, for tasting the coffee. Right, these are special spoons. They look like... So they're solid silver spoons. Oh, my God. They they look, to describe them to the listener, they are... They're quite a deep spoon. They're circular. Like a a, a soup soup spoon. spoon. Yeah. Yeah. So what am I doing with this spoon? Am I putting it in the instant coffee? So, yeah, it's going into your instant coffee. You're just going to slurp the coffee. Going to make some terrible noises here. Just imagine you're eating soup as badly as you possibly can. This is for you ASMR lovers out there. What, really quick? Quicker, Tom. I don't know, it? Ready? <laughs> Fucking hell, this is dreadful. It is yeah, you slurp it into your mouth, keep it in there, roll it around with your tongue. It tastes really burnt. Yeah, it's very thin, not pleasant. I mean, I, if I had to write some taste notes for this, I'd probably be looking at rubber, maybe some, some cereal or biscuit characteristics underneath. <laughs> what, what would we be looking for in an ideal world from our taste buds at this point. So you're looking to assess the, the mouth feel of the coffee, so how it feels in your mouth, how it moves around, the acidity, so if there's any anything you might think of like orange or uh, apple or grape. There's no fucking orange and apples in no, this. This nothing. is arse. Yeah, it's horrible. This is fucking dog shit. Like, I've got to say, it must be five years since I had a cup of instant. I'm oh not enjoying this. God. Joe, I'm, I'm pleased to say we've got a better coffee here. So Will has passed me a white flask and he's instructed me to fill my cup uh, to about a third. So I'll now pass you the flask. Fill up one of the mugs in front of you. Right. Okay. So hopefully here you're going to get much tastier results. So this first coffee is from a group of women in Brazil in a region called Tres Pontas. They produce natural coffee, so it's coffee that when it's picked from the trees as a cherry, it's left in the cherries to dry before it's exported. What do you mean as a cherry? So coffee grows as a cherry. What? Coffee grows as a cherry on a bush. Coffee's a cherry? Yes. The coffee is the seed of the cherry. But it, the, the the seeds grow inside red cherries that fuck on, on bushes. Coffee never, grows in cherry. I've never actually thought about this. I just thought the, the coffee beans were just like beans on a bush. Where'd you get baked beans from? <laughs> they also come from bushes, I believe. So coffees are cherries. Coffee. So coffee grows as a cherry. You get two beans inside each cherry, and part of the thing that creates the the character in really delicious coffee is the way that you get the coffee beans from out of the cherry and dry them ready for export. Right, okay. So they're like the seeds. They're like seeds of a cherry. But Absolutely. stones. What do you mean stones? But don't cherries have stones? They're stones of the cherry. Yeah, like two two stones inside a cherry. Yeah, but if they're this can if I took a coffee bean out of if I took a coffee stone out of a <laughs> cherry, a mm. coffee cherry, and I planted it in the in the ground round <laughs> Would it grow a coffee tree? Yes. Oh, so it's a seed. I think a stone is also. A oh, for fuck's sake! Right, okay. like an avocado stone would be a seed. Thank you, Will. So I'm doing the same process. I'm slurping Slurp like go-go. bad coffee, bad yep. soup. Yep. Oh yeah, that's got more to it, isn't it? So I would describe this as being more whiny. What are your thoughts, Joe? I'm getting much less burnt flavouring at the back of my throat. I don't know, maybe it's in my mind, 
but it feels cleaner. It's definitely like cleaner. It's, and if you make sure whilst you're in your mouth, you're breathing in and out through your nose, because that's what's really going to allow you to detect all the flavours that are going on. It feels to me, Joe, a lot more subtle. I can't really taste sweetness. No, no sweetness. I can taste my tongue. What's happening when you breathe in and out through your nose? Are you picking up any anything there? Joe's not breathed through his because nose for a long time. I haven't. It's a big nose. <laughs> so the I'm struggling to breathe. I'm. T I can smell wood. <laughs> Maybe your nose smells of wood. I think my nose does smell of wood. I think it's got anything to do with the coffee. So the the flavour you detect in anything is all aroma. So it comes from the same place as oh. where you smell stuff. So. To be able to detect, to detect flavour in anything, you've got to be breathing in and out through your nose. And if you're not doing that, the aromatic volatiles, the, the little things that are flavour that need to escape from the liquid or whatever's in your mouth and get up behind your nose, so it's called retronasal olfaction, get up behind your nose and, and trigger your factory bulb to tell you there's different flavours existing in the liquid. Um, they've, they've got to be moving around. So... Whenever, whatever you're drinking, wine, whatever you're eating, whatever food it is, or if it's coffee, you've got to be breathing in and out through your nose whilst it's in your mouth to really get it up there and detect all the unique, delicate flavours. Really nice. What have we got next? Next, we have a Rwandan coffee. Oh, right, fresh cup, Joe. There you go. Thank you. So this next one's, again, a natural coffee. So we're taking the cherries off the tree and allowing them to dry out in the sun for a period of around... Four weeks, 28 days. Okay, well, let's dip a silver spoon, Joe, in this coffee. Tell me what you think. <laughs> <coughs> Have you drunk before? <coughs> yeah, but Will said you've got to do it, like, quick. Look how quick Will does it. I'm trying to do it quick and it went up my nose. Show notch. us, Will. <laughs> that's a hell of a technique, isn't it? Go on, Joe. Yeah, that's nice. Because you had a bit of a tip of the spoon mm. as well there. Oh, that's sh it's, it tastes sharper. Don't know yeah, if that is a taste. It's definitely got more acidity to it. So you'd say the intensity of the acidity is higher. I'd say the acidity is slightly different. So on the last one we had more apple-like. It was quite low, but more apple-like acidity. This one's maybe a bit more grape-like acidity. It tastes a little bit more alcoholic. Don't know why I'm Yeah, I think you could say that. So that one was Rwanda. Yes. Previous one was Brazil. Yes. Kenko was fuck knows. I recognise Brazil. I recognise Rwanda. I recognise Ethiopia, mm -hmm. Guatemala... Yep. Um, Honduras, Honduras, Peru, Peruvian coffee, yeah, nice. But where's like, where's the top dog? Who's the top ranking best bean in the world? I try not to have favourites. Mm, careful, but you've you've actually timed that question perfectly. Oh, because I've brought one of my favourite. So, Tom, can we the describe um, the vessel that this is in now? This is a silver Ooh. flask. It doesn't appear to be, Joe, as insulated as the others, but I'm so confused at this point that when Will handed it to me, um, I tried sniffing the microphone to get the <laughs> of it, so I'm going to pass it across to you. This is from a farm called El Tolu. It's in Colombia. Okay, Colombia. It's in the, the far north of the country on the Venezuelan border. It's an Venezuela. area... El Norte. What? The north. Right, so this is from El Tulo. El Tolu. El Tolo. Which is Norte Santander, so far north of Colombia. It's not a region which many coffee buyers travel to, but it has absolutely... Because it's dangerous. Relatively... Nice. Um, Drug barons. A few. A cartel. Yeah, that, those kind of people. 
smugglers, um, oh, you've left, be left this wing gorillas. Just when Joe was insinuating that, um, you know, there's a different trait going on there, the way that you slurped it sounded very much like you were snorting something. Fucking with this nose. <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate. I could inhale this whole spoon. What do you reckon, Joe? There's so much smoothness to this one. Yeah. I'm getting the delayed acid at the back of my throat. Mm -hmm. So much smoothness. I'd describe it as being almost a little bit blackcurranty. It's really gentle. It's an unusual characteristic oh, which fuck. people only really talk about in uh, Spilled the coffee on my fucking grey top. <laughs> <laughs> I wore a white t-shirt and I, I knew it was a bad idea. For sake. Sometimes when I drink black coffee, I can get halfway through it or just over halfway through it and it's a little bit... Right, I've got, there's a bit too much going on at the back of my throat now. That bit too much bitterness. Yeah, it's an, enough sound. Unpleasantness. Now. But this one, oh, I could just drink that. Is that your favourite? Yes. It's a bit like when you have really. Remember our water expert? Mm. You have like really hard water and then you put it through a filter. When you say it just tastes the same, you're like, no, no, just put it in your mouth, drink it, and it's smooth. That's what this feels like. It's like filtered water. It's got that smoothness, that softness to it. There's, there's a lack of hardness. That's why I've used softness. <laughs> <laughs> Twat. Joe, um, we need to have some adverts. Shall we have a break here? Maybe go and get a coffee or something? Ridiculous. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favourite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namon Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behaviour creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Right, those were the adverts. I am still buzzing off my tits, my ad, because the coffee's starting to really kick in. I've, what, how many have I had today? One, two, three, four, five. So this will be my sixth coffee. So you need to have another 74 <laughs> to match Will when he's on his travels. I will get that. Well, one of my favourite films starred Jack Nicholson and it was called Anger Management. Do you remember that one? I think it was Adam Sandler. In Adam it, Sandler, it? Yeah. yeah. And on one of them, is that it, fucking twat hole? Let me do some research on this. What's the one where he's dying with... Uh, Jack Nicholson's dying. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's dying. He's doing his bucket list. That's a different one. That's a different one, yeah. What, it's what, I think it? it's called Bucket List. <laughs> it's called Bucket with List. With Morgan Freeman. <laughs> with Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. One of my favourite Jack Nicholson <laughs> films is called Bucket List, uh, starring Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Jack Nicholson is dying in this film. It's called Bucket List. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Freeman also stars, in case... Yeah, I've had too much coffee here. Anyway, on his bucket list, he wants to try some of the most expensive, luxurious things in the world. One of which is called Kopi Luwak, or Kopi Luwak, yeah. I think. <laughs> and the scene is Jack Nicholson sipping away at this lovely coffee setup he's got. It's like a golden brass or whatever it is, teapot, coffee pot. 
with a small little cup and sipping away. And Morgan Freeman's like, what are you doing there then? He's like, I am drinking the most valuable coffee in the whole world, Kopi Luwak or something like that. And he was like, right, you know that's like comes from shit, don't you? And he was like, what? He was like, that comes from like a civet. I believe a civet, which is an animal. I didn't know this until mm -hmm. I... Eats these beans, but you've told me they're cherries now. Mm -hmm. So this, this civet eats the cherries, doesn't digest those beans or things because they stay harder, shits them out, and then people go and sieve through all this civet shit, roasts all these beans, and then make it into a coffee. That's true. Is that legit? That's legit. And have you drunk Kopi Luwak? I have. Oh, Talk to me. Is it the most luxurious coffee in the whole damn world? No. Oh. I think like anything, um, there was a marketing opportunity. Someone saw it, pounced on it. The story goes that the Livets, the Civets, uh, <laughs> Livets, Civets live freely and wildly in, in the rainforests and go and find, go and search out these, these coffee trees that happen to be all over the place. And being wild animals, they pick the ripest cherries from the trees and eat those, and, and then they employ people to just run around the forest to pick up all the poo from the civets. But um, we live in a commercial world, and unfortunately, when something gets, gets going like that, it results in uh, battery caging of civets and oh. force-feeding them cherries, and not, not even force-feeding them ripe cherries, just strip-picking cherries from, from coffee trees, shoving them in. If you look online, you, there's plenty of photos and videos of of big industrialized facilities where unfortunately civets no. really badly looked after, yeah. Oh. And the reality is the coffee doesn't taste that great. And my job is to go out and find coffee farmers who have capacity to grow the best coffee in the world, just anywhere, and ideally in the most remote places where they don't already have access to a supply chain, so we can get them involved in a supply chain that can reward them properly, and say, hey, if you produce the best coffee in the world, we'll pay you really high prices for that coffee and we'll have really happy customers and you'll earn a, a, a wage that means you can have a happy family. And going out and doing that results in significantly higher quality coffee than the, the Kopi Luwak that I've tasted. It's an irony for me, Joe, in the fact that the noun for the name of the animal is the same as the verb for what you do with the shit. Drink it. Sieve it. Are you sieving shit? To get the beans out. Oh, yeah. Is that its name? It's a civet. And what do you use civet? So was civet, was a sieve named after a sieve? What, I don't know what a civet looks like. Is it shaped like, like a, a sieve? Little, it looks like a cat or a lemur. So it looks nothing like a sieve. Why is it called a civet? I guess it's a local name. I think they're local to Indonesia. It's one of the worst facts you've ever come out with. <laughs> it's not really a fact, it was just an observation. It's one of the worst observations <laughs> you've ever come out with. Shall I have some more coffee? Yeah, I think you should. Right, so Kopi Luwak, so I'm, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life searching out Kopi Luwak then. No, it'd be a waste of money. You could get much high quality coffee delivered fresh to your door. This episode is sponsored by the following spectacular people. The Galvanizer, Joe Galvin. There's when Cito sponsors us on Patreon now. <laughs> the Lawbreaker, Alistair Blacklaws. Dave Gammon Egg and Chips. Perry, Play It Coulson. The BG, Becky Garrett. Nibble, nibble, Stuart Kibble. The Duracell Bunny, Robert Giroux. 
Tom Robinson, John Sheldrake and Ben Wharton. The Powerade Aid Griffiths. Hallelujah, it's Josh Buckley. Whoa, Chris Getty, Bamalam. Tracy Pierce, Richard Kellaway, and Dave the Wily Fox. To be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content including the Joe and Dan Rugby Show, and grow the show today. Can we touch on your barista championships? So you competed in the barista, what is it, barista world championship? I competed in the UK barista UK championships. UK barista championships. Um, I would have loved to make it to the world, but I was competing at a time when there were was amazing talent in the UK barista scene. Uh, lots of people don't realize that the UK has has been a leader in coffee for for decades, both in barista practices, but also um, in green coffee trading and and quality coffee trading um, and creating the specialty coffee movement worldwide. What's your go to? Design on your uh, so I would latte art. I would for the barista championships always went for a tulip, oh. uh, which is kind of the, the it looks like pouring three hearts in a row, and you get a so really that's nice the classic tulip. Shape. What's some of the most difficult ones to do? I've seen someone trying to not trying to. I've seen someone succeed and do a swan, yeah. and gone. How the fuck have you done that, Manu Tuolangi? <laughs> From the English word, he is phenomenal. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard the amount of time he's. To be fair to him, the amount of time he's had out injured, you'd expect (laughs) him to be fucking good at like just there practicing, and it's just whips it up just as quick as that. And I'm like, oh my god, how are you doing that? And he's like, milk. I went, what? He said, milk. That's one of his longer answers. (laughs) (laughs) When he said, you've got you've got to get the milk right, mate. It's all about how the consistency of the milk is like. a bit like paint, like exactly. Dulux, exactly. like as you roll in around the thing, it just st- sticks to the side, doesn't it? And yeah. then j- j- when you when you talk to people about pouring that out, when people really try to learn to do it, most people are concentrating on the the act of pouring the milk. The key is actually all in foaming the milk really well. If you foam the milk perfectly, the the latte out just comes. It's It'll really, come naturally. Really simple, yeah. You've spoken so passionately about coffee. And obviously with expert knowledge because you've been doing it for how long now? Since 2005, 17 years. Fuck, so you know your onions slash beans. But you've also touched at moments on the social impact that coffee's at. Like, it's more than just about the coffee. You spoke about the, the Brazilian coffee, that the women, the caffeinas, what is it, the caffeinas? The caffeina group. Caffeina group. Like, talk a little bit more about the, the social impacts that what you're doing has on on those groups around the world. Yeah, I mean, this is what really drives... I love drinking coffee, but this is what really drives me day to day. Um, The coffee industry is one of the biggest industries on the planet. It is, after oil, the most traded commodity in the world. So transactions of green coffee um, happening day to day are enormous. Fuck. People make millions and millions of dollars out of the trade of coffee. And they manipulate the market based on demand and supply. Coffee is traded as a commodity. So it's traded like oil, like sugar, like pigs, rear ends, orange juice. They're all commodities that you can go online and find a price for. And those commodities are traded, the the daily price is essentially based on what a speculator is willing to pay 
based on what they see global demand and supply being. And it bears no relation to the cost of production. So for the past two decades, almost every day of the week, that commodity price has been, or on average, on an average day of the week, that commodity price has been below the average cost of production. And it can be that low because the farmers who produce it live on a, a parcel of land that they've inherited from their family who might have been farming coffee for three generations, and they have coffee trees on it. So at its absolute minimum, the cost of production is those farmers going and picking cherries off a tree, getting the beans out of the inside and selling them on to someone else. But that doesn't take into account the fact that the family might have to get involved. They might have to have the kids go and farm that coffee. They might have to have the kids go and pick the cherries, which is child labor. They might not even get enough money to to go and buy food with the money they get from the coffee. So not only are they picking cherries to get some cash in, they're also growing corn um, on the farm, and that's their in, that's the majority of their um, nutrition for the whole year. And that is the reality of coffee farming on most farmers around the world. Most farmers I go and meet are in enormous amounts of debt because they have to borrow money to be able to put food on the table to avoid their kids having to, to work on the farm rather than go to school. Um, and kids growing up on coffee farms don't want to continue working on coffee farms. They're not fun, happy places. Now, these are families that, that live in the rainforest, some of the most beautiful areas I've ever seen in, in my entire life. Um, and they're fantastic places to live, and these people want to protect the areas they live in. You know, they, they don't want to deforest. Um, but in some cases, that's what it comes down to. They have to cut down a lot of trees to plant some more coffee just to be able to make enough money to, to have some form of living. And, and what we can do is we can say, you know what, we're not going to trade coffee like that. We're going to go and find coffee farmers who are really proud of what they do. And every coffee farmer I've ever met is really proud of being a coffee farmer. They're really proud of what they produce. Um, and say, hey, look, let's turn this around. Let's, let's say... You just start producing coffee from the land you've got available to you right now. You continue to protect the forest that you've got because almost all of them are protecting an area of forest themselves because they love living in it. And we'll continue to buy that coffee. We'll develop a relationship and we'll make sure that you're earning enough money so that the family can afford medical care, can afford to put food on the table so the kids can go to school. Um, and so you can have a happy life. And, and for me, it's been, it's been fantastic, you know, there's a farmer, Fiber Vega, I started working with on a farm called El Cairo back in 2014. When I met his son, Mauricio, who was 15, 14, 15 at the time, I said to him, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Expecting him naively to say, oh, I'm going to be a coffee farmer just like dad. He said to me, oh, you see that motorbike? I'm going to jump on that as soon as I can, as soon as I finish school. and I'm going to go to the local city. I'm going to get a job in a call center. <sighs> because... That, that way he knew he could have a regular wage coming in and he didn't have the worry and stress. That was the only way he could see of getting out of the situation he was in, which was not a happy childhood. But having worked with his father over, the, over, over four years, he saw the change. You know, he saw what it actually looked like to be a profitable coffee farmer, to see debts paid off, to see to what the potential could be. Uh, three years ago, he said to me, look, I want to open my own coffee farm. His, his dad helped him with a piece of land, Brilliant. And for the last three years, we've bought coffee from his farm, La Padrugosa, and it gives me a, a small glimpse at the potential for the future. A coffee farmer who has never seen that side of coffee where they can't sell their coffee for a profit. 
um, where they're not recognized for producing fantastic coffee. You know, for us, it's really important that we give recognition to every farmer on every bag that we ship to customers. So every coffee that we sell is, is sold single estate from an individual farm. That means we work with over 200 coffee farms around the world. That means we're changing coffees every week. So there's enormous variety, loads of different things coming through, but it means that they all have individual taste and flavor because we've bought them from a tiny parcel of land. And it means that each one of those people gets recognition and a, a, and a great price. And honestly, still, I've been director of coffee at PACT for eight years now. It makes the hairs on my neck stand up just talking about it now in a studio and going out there and seeing it. You wouldn't believe the change it makes to people's lives. Seeing kids go to school, be happy, you know, in three continents, North America, South America, East Africa. You can see it clear as day on your face how passionate and how much joy it brings to you. Yeah. In not just, oh, I'm you're not just producing coffee because you want to make money. Of course, that's a big part of what you're doing. Everyone needs a job and everyone wants a job. But you're also passionate about wanting to help the farmers that are doing it and they're not screwing them over with yeah. shit prices for their coffee and actually working on those relationships. And you can taste the difference in what you're, you're coming back with because yeah. essentially it's made with love and that connection is we're not going to screw you over because we know that you're going to produce great beans for us. And, yeah. and it's brilliant is. to see and it's brilliant to have that that approach and that attitude towards your work. I think it's great. Yeah. The hope is, you know, people who drink coffee sit down and go, you know, I can drink one of the best cups of coffee in the world every morning and it costs me almost nothing in comparison to, to buying the worst coffee in the world every morning. And I know it's literally changing, changing the way coffee's traded, changing people's lives every single day. This episode, Joe, has taken us to so many places I didn't expect. Will, thank you so much for coming on, mate. It's been brilliant. Like Tom said, it wasn't just about sitting here going, oh, he's brought some coffee on and we're just talking about all the different types of coffee. The stories at which you came up with and told us all the ins and outs of where the coffee comes from, comes from and the impact it has on on the coffee farmers and, and what you're trying to do at PACT is just brilliant to see. So... Long may it continue. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Um, if any of your listeners want to try packed coffee, oh, they can use the code. What was it? Coffee with Joe. Coffee with Joe. Free V sixty. Okay. Stick it on top of their mug. Really. Rewind a couple of secs, and they'll they'll. Uh, oh, amazing! Get the instructions. We'll get that in the description link or something yeah, like that. Yeah, coffee with Joe listen. and any new plan, and uh, yeah, they can get a free V sixty thing for brewing their coffee up. Amazing. Thank you, Will. Oh, I've got a bit of a buzz, actually, still. Do you think yeah. I've had too much coffee? Show me your hand. Hold your hand out and let's see how... That's steady-ish. I'd forgotten what state, state your fingers are in. Fuck off. They do a fantastic job. No, they do do a fantastic... In what sphere? Irrelevant. Although me thinking that having six coffees in one day is, like, a lot. Because I that is a lot. And then hearing how Will has 50 to... What did he? 60 to 80 60 coffees. 60 to 70 coffees a day. When he's working, but he'll taste 500 coffees. It's insane. Fuck. And he doesn't look wired. Like that, like that face you just did. Yeah, the face of like my eyes are a little bit like The Undertaker where <laughs> he just rolls them back and he's, oh fuck, I'm absolutely wired. It was great, really informative with all this coffee stuff. I described to you that I've got every coffee utensil you could name in my house, but I didn't actually get too much of what you've got in your house. What coffee utensils have you got in your house? 
my favourite <laughs> coffee utensil story, Joe, involves a trip um, on my bike to a very small village. And you know that how nice it is to have a coffee if you're out and about, gives you a bit of energy. I was in this little cafe and, and the woman said, would you like tea or coffee? And I said, what sort of coffees have you got? And she said, we got Nescafe or we got Cafatier. So I said, she got what? Cafatier. I said, what's a Cafatier? She goes, you know, Cafatier with plunger. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Where was this? Where it was in the, it was in Yorkshire. Yeah, the wilds of Yorkshire. She's <laughs> a cafetier. So you get a cafetier with plunger. Brilliant. Did you order a cafetier? I had a cafetier and it was delicious. Did you correct her? No. So you now just call it a cafetier. Cafetier, yeah, with plunger. Yeah. With, with plunger. Yeah. With plunger. Oh, brilliant! I'm starting to get the shakes actually now. It's starting to kick off, but I thought he was great. Will was brilliant. He was superb. Joe, if people would like to support the show, you know the drill by now. People can now subscribe in three separate ways. Number one, Apple. Number two, Spotify. And number three, Patreon. For just a pound a week, you can get bonus content, ad-free episodes, and Joe Marler, you will be... Growing the show. At the same time. Remember as well now, Joe, subscribers will also get access to the Joe and Dan Rugby Club. Cauliflower Club. The Cauliflower Club. It's available now to subscribers. There will be five episodes this autumn to cover the Autumn Internationals and then monthly specials after that. Yeah, no, that's right. And if you want to watch the show, you can subscribe on our YouTube channel for full episodes and extra show clips. If you would like another podcast to listen to before Joe and I return to your ears in a week's time, let us recommend the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. This is everything you ever want to know about cycling presented by Tour de France and double Olympic gold medalist Geraint Thomas, the biggest names in the world of cycling, all the insider secrets. Simply search for the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club wherever you get your podcasts. Lovely. Who's on next week? We don't know yet, Joe. Why don't we know? Because Ryan has some work to do. About fucking time. Goodbye. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.